I think, uh, um, I think you all have heard before they says that uh, confession is good for the soul. <clears throat> I have a confession to make. I've already shared it with my wife, and uh, I shared it with the prayer group this morning. Uh, I got up, as I normally do on Sunday mornings at 4.30, to prepare for the day and to finalize what would be the message. And uh, as I reluctantly threw my legs over the side of the bed, my first thought was, I don't want to do this. Have you ever been there? You know, the day is in front of you, you say, I don't want to do this. You ever thought maybe a preacher would say, I don't want to do this. And then I went downstairs and again turned on the computer and brought the notes up and all that kind of stuff to do. And my, my first question <clears throat> before I looked at the text was, I wonder if Peter ever felt that way. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Peter gets up before the day of Pentecost. Well, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I wonder if Paul ever felt that way. Oh, I don't want to do this. As he heads out on a missionary journey. And then I opened the word. The word, the text for this morning, and the complimentary texts that kind of have fed the thoughts for the sermon. And I was refreshed. My spirit was renewed. Because of God's word. It's not how we feel. It's not, you know, we don't, we, we don't bank on how things are going for us. Because it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do with us and for us. Sometimes through us. And I've said it before, sometimes in spite of us. <laughs> but I was blessed as I just opened the word and, and listened to what God was trying to say to me as we would finish up the preparation for the message. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what God has said to me is something I needed to hear, and I feel the need to maybe to share it with you, thinking maybe you need to hear it too. It's about hope. Oh, that's a... That's a that's a word with all kinds of dimensions, and we're going to look at that. But first, we want to turn to 1 Peter and look at the text for this morning, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. This is, this is a rich text. matter of fact, when I was reading Barclay's uh, commentary on this particular text, he says, and I, I can't quote him directly, but basically saying, this is so rich, it would take so much to be able to explain the fullness of it and then he ventured into trying to do it anyway. So we're not going to cover it all, but we're going to look and see what maybe God is saying through his word to you, as well as I need to hear what he has to say to me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has called, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power and being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. God has tucked it away for us to claim when he comes again. Let's, let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for <laughs> being patient with us. Thank you, Lord, for letting us go through these mental and uh, emotional exercises that so often represent how, how separated we are because of us thinking about ourselves when all we need to do is think about you. So these next few minutes that we have together, may our minds and hearts be on you, O oh Lord, be listening for you and allowing you to do what you want to do in our lives so that when we leave this place, we are better off. <laughs> we are closer to you. We are more like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Hope is a virtue that is held by everyone. There's an Italian proverb that puts it this way. <clears throat> puts it this way. Hope is the last thing ever lost. Another anonymous source uh, wrote these words, if there is life, there is hope. A psychologist named Dr. Saul Levine made a statement which I think is, is profound in its own way. Hope is a universal and powerful human need, an integral part of all our lives. I can agree with that, but I think there's much more to it than that. He wrote an article in Psychology Today, and I want to read a part of that article to you. He said, while we have much to be grateful for, and we have just left a season where we have accented our thanksgiving, while we have much to be grateful for, the current times have led many people to feel remarkably stressed, vigilant, and reactive. We are living in times of heightened anxiety and uncertainty, fear and dread, and mistrust of our political leaders and worse, of each other. When we are in such profound turmoil, we all need to light our eternal candles of hope, which serve as to spur us on to overcome. Now, I don't think he was thinking of the Advent wreath when he made that statement, but I think it's applicable in our case today. There have been, he says, there has surely been times in your own life when your problems seemed insurmountable, yet you retained that inner hope that enabled you to overcome, turn things around, and grow in personal well-being and wisdom. With hope and courage, we shall indeed overcome. And again, I agree to some degree <laughs> with those words. Because when we talk about hope, there's a whole lot more than what our psychologist has identified. You know, um, he writes, it's a universal virtue. It's something that we exercise to, to keep us going. Uh, to see us through, to enable us just to hang on when things aren't going our way, when things are tough. 
It's a source of hope that somehow is to determine an an outcome, a, a source that's within ourselves. Hope, in a general consensus, as you just look it up in the dictionary, suggests that it, it's an expectation, a desire, or wish for a certain thing to happen. And I think that's pretty much where the world is. It, it's a wish that things would get better. It's something that we muster up within ourselves, according to the psychologist. We are to be optimistic. We are to think good thoughts. There was a theology back in the 50s and 60s called positive thinking. We are to look on the brighter side of things. I was amused by reading some of those writers of today who address this feel-good gospel as to what they might suggest we need to do concerning fostering up hope within. There was this one uh, writer who said that there are some certain things we can do to develop hope in our lives. Something we can do to develop hope. You get that? It's within, what we can do. She first suggests that we we need to return to nature. Plant a garden. Go for a walk. (laughs) recognize the endless cycle of nature the beauty of nature she she suggests that we need to find our passion it's important to find time to do something for no other reason than it brings you joy find time to enjoy hobbies and activities that you feel passionate about The act alone can bring you hope into your life. Do you feel better already? Let me go on. Time with good friends. She reminds us that parents used to say something of this version, show me your friends and I will show you where you are. That relates to your search for hope as well. Making friends with positive people who live hopeful, optimistic lives will lead you to feeling better about life yourself. She says, enjoy what the, lo- the, what the world has to offer. While you can read about all the bad things happening in the world at this time, you also have, have access to world's treasures, either online or in your hometown. You can experience great works of art and music and creativity. It's all there. You just need to take advantage of it. Practice kindness. If you truly reap, you will truly reap what you sow. That's biblical. Uh, We talked about it just last week. The acts of kindness should be a part of your life, she says. That includes taking time to truly listen to the people in your life, as well as doing acts of kindness with strangers you meet along the way. Kindness leads to kindness. And finally, she sums it up by saying, there are some, these are some of the ways you can find what gives you hope in life. As with most things, it takes acts as well as deeds, not just words and thought. The reward is a more hopeful life. 
That's one of the best rewards that life offers. I feel so much better now. While such steps can be taken to arrest the stress in our lives, to help us find relief or feel better about the circumstances that we face that are so heavy and difficult, in many ways what has been suggested are good practices in life. Yet all that is accomplished in going through these things that we do for ourselves or by ourselves or, or in ourselves or through ourselves is simply to accomplish one thing, temporary relief. It's a salve on a sore. It's, it's a temporary fix, totally dependent upon what's within us to make us better. Hope is to be found not in ourselves, but in the one who made us, in the one who knows us and loves us. God, our Heavenly Father, is our unfailing source of hope. Hope is an expectation with certainty that God will do what he said he will do. Take him for his word. Claim his promises. Our hope should be based on the fact of what God is and nothing else. If our hope is in anything or in anyone else, I guarantee you, it will disappoint us. Outside of God being our hope, we will be disinvolved in wishful thinking. Wish upon a star, and all that may be hoped for will be, at the most, temporarily satisfied. The whole time I was working on the message, and even before Jan and I were talking about the order of service, the first hymn that came to mind, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Our hope is to be found in something or in someone that is certain, absolute, unfailing, everlasting. And who is that? It is God and God alone. I want to read to you a passage of Scripture that I found, uh, I think, to be a little bit, a little bit more comprehensible. <laughs> is that a word? Anyway, you can understand it better if possibly you look at it through the New Living Translation. Hebrews 6, 19, or 16 through 19a reads, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can take new courage, 
for we can hold on to his promise with confidence. This confidence is like a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The fact that it is impossible for God to lie and that he keeps his promises should be good enough reason for any of us to place our hope in him and in nothing else. I can't recall the source because, and many of you are familiar with the writings of Warren Wearsby, who's written a number of books and Bible studies and articles. But I I ran across one of his statements, and I've saved it. And, And he writes this, he says, Time destroys most hopes. They fade and then they die. But the passing of time only makes a Christian's hope the much more glorious. (laughs) I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but Apostle Peter says it's a hope, it's a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And you know what that says to me? It says it's something that is active in our lives. It says it's something that we can call upon in our lives right now. It says to me it's not just for the day, but it's for eternity because Jesus has defeated the grave, which has erased terminal life or terminal death. Life in Christ, through this life and for the life yet to come. Our hope because of Christ conquering death, carries us through this life here on earth and into eternal life yet to come. That's the kind of hope that we have for today, for tomorrow, and forever. Consider first, in this life, right now, what we have as we, today, as we, as we simply hope, trust in the promises given to us by God. He is a God of provision. He made this promise. The words of Jesus spoken on the Sermon on the Mount says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your Father in heaven knows that you need them. And, and he says in the same, same sermon, <laughs> I'm sorry, in, in Philippians, uh, reading verse 4 through 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glories in Christ Jesus. Hope. Hope when when you feel like you're all alone. And you're just wanting to sense God's presence. It was spoken to Joshua through Moses. As, As Moses was ready to pass the mantle on to Joshua and charge him to take the people of Israel across the river Jordan and to claim the promised land. And these are the words of Moses to Joshua and the words of God to you and to me. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the enemy. For the Lord your God goes with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. Wow. the whole thing of protection, God just watch over me, help me get through this day, is, is found in the Psalms. We read, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope into your word. We read again later in the Psalms, 
For the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Our hope points us to eternal life. And now we move from what we have in this life to what is yet to come. And that's the promise of eternal life. Paul writes in Titus, a servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ to further, further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. Hope in eternal life. And then the hope of Christ's return. Again, in Titus, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. Amen. And then there's the hope of inheritance. And, and this is the very thing that we've been looking at this morning as we looked at the text. Peter wrote, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can neither perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven. It's secure. There's nothing that can destroy it. There's nothing that can take you away from it as a follower of Jesus Christ. It will not decay. It will not rot. It will not rust. It lasts forever. That's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Referring back to the words of Warren Wiersbe, where he said, time destroys most hopes. They fade and then they die. That's because of the sin in this world. Sin tarnishes everything. Sin contributes to the deterioration of everything. Sin brings us to the ultimate destruction of everything. But the passing of time only makes a Christian's hope that more glorious. I can't even begin to count in my recollection of the number of times that I've been in the presence of some saints, great saints of the faith, as they're facing the winter years, winter months, winter weeks, winter days of their lives. And they say to me, with joyful hearts, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because they have a glorious hope not in the hope of this world, but in the hope in the world yet to come. It is an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you and for me. Our hope is to be pointing us to something beyond this life. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, 
we are of all people most to be pitied. It's not about just this life. It's not about what we get out of this life. It's where through this life we are led by Christ to receive the inheritance that he has promised through his resurrection and promise of coming again. Our hope is to be a living hope, active, actively waiting, actively expecting, uh, actively looking for, actively preparing for the arrival of Christ who is coming again. It will reveal this hope that we have in Christ and God through Jesus Christ. It will reveal our faith. It will reveal our love. It will reveal peace. It will reveal joy. You know, those are the very ingredients that we're supposed to be celebrating this Advent season. Hope, peace, joy, love. And sometimes the can, one of the candles is supposed to represent faith. I pray that this Advent season will be a time of preparation for you and for me, preparing for the coming of the Lord, giving us a hope to sustain us, yes, in the life as we have to live it today, but yet at the same time, a longing for a life that is yet to come as we wait for his coming again. Come thou, long-expected Jesus. Born to set your people free. From all our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest. Let us find our hope in thee. Let's pray. May our hope be in nothing less than in Jesus' blood and his righteousness. May our hope be in the one who has said, trouble not. The one who has said, peace be with you. The one who said, wait. We wait expectantly for you, Jesus, longing for your return, so that we can see the fulfillment of all your promises. And in hope, satisfy our longing to spend eternity with you. For we pray it in the name of our soon coming King, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.